You guys doing all right this morning? You guys have a Merry Christmas? All right. I did just get back from Ohio yesterday, and so I'm a little tired. Uh, don't think I'll fall asleep, but uh, don't call me this afternoon. Just heads up. Phone will be off. Uh, we're going to be in John 6 this morning. John 6. Uh, this has been a message on my heart for about the last month. Um, and God's kind of been brewing it in me for a long time. And um, thankful to be able to uh, share with you kind of what God has done. Um, you know, it's crazy. You, you search in Scripture for, for truths that you think are going to be obvious. And then um, because His Word is living and active, you find new things every time you dig in. And so I hope today as we look at the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, that you don't check out and say, well, I've heard this a million times in Sunday school uh, ever since I was a kid, um, that you'll look for those new nuggets of truth this morning with me um, as, we, as we look together through that passage. And so um, I'm going to pray real quick um, just because I'd love, I'd love for the Holy Spirit to be the one doing the work and not me today. And so uh, pray with me. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you uh, to be in a church um, that is just blessed with great people. And uh, Lord, as we dig in your word, I pray that we would be honorable, um, that we'd be humble, that we'd be listening, that we'd have eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, God, as we move forward, I, I pray that we would be expecting you to change us and to move us, um, that we would leave here differently. And so, God, thank you for this opportunity, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. So, you have a, a story, uh, and, and in the middle of, or at the beginning of the story, you see that it's kind of in transition. Um, you see pretty quickly in verse 1, after this, and, and so you know that there's kind of a story attached to this on the, on the, on the before side, and, and so Jesus is tired. Here's what you need to know about this. Jesus is tired, and, and he has just been talking, and he's been ministering, and, and all those kinds of things. And he went away to the other side um, of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Verse 2, a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick. Verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Um, the Passover feast uh, of the Jews was at hand. And so you have this kind of moment. Uh, where <laughs> Jesus gets to take a break. And so kind of like I said, uh, don't call me this afternoon. This is going to be one of those moments where someone comes knocking at my door and like, my car broke down. I'm going to be like, don't you know I was taking a nap? Come on, you know. And there's these moments where Jesus is moved by compassion and, and, he, and he, he gets going. And, and if you know the story, you know that it's, it's kind of, uh, it's not just someone needs help. It's, it's, it's 5,000 plus needs help. And so we move forward. Um, <clears throat> the story, uh, the Passover was at hand, verse 5. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, <laughs> which is either a good thing or a very bad thing um, when you're Jesus, um, he, was, uh, he, he says to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Um, at this point, it's probably close to nighttime. Uh, these people are walking everywhere they're going, and so uh, to send them home, uh, no doubt some of them are uh, beggars. They're homeless. Um, if you send them away without food, they're not going to eat tonight. 
um, you know, maybe, maybe a, a funny side to this story is you're thinking, why did 5,000 people not prepare something to eat? Has anyone ever just, you know, had that thought when you're in the middle of this passage? Like, did no one think that there were, because let me just say this, I don't miss meals. Right, over Christmas, I didn't miss, I added meals. I had a couple dinners a day. Um, you know, I, I was at lunch one day, and we were literally eating food. I had a spoonful of food going towards my mouth, and I said to Christy, so where are we eating dinner tonight? And she looked at me with eyes of disgust, like, <laughs> calm down. You know, I, like, so, so were these people not thinking about <laughs> what was to come? And that's not even addressed. Not even addressed, and that's okay. Because the idea here is that Jesus was moved with compassion. So where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now, now you know, because this is hindsight, and hindsight is 2020, that Jesus is not saying, where's the store, and how much is the bread, and where can we buy it? How long is it going to take to prepare this? That, you know, there's 5,000 men, okay? So, so not numbered in this crowd are the, the women and the children. This could be as many as 10 or maybe even upwards of 20,000 people um, needing to eat. And they're needing food. And Jesus says, where are we to buy bread? And, and, and we know this because we've seen this passage before, some of us. He said this, verse 6, to test him, right? He knew what he was going to do, which um, is just a, a side note to us today. Um, when Jesus asks us a question, it's not because he's looking for insight, he knows what he's going to do, and he has a plan, and he's wanting us to get on his agenda and his plan. And so when he asks us a question, which way are you going to go, God is not inviting you <laughs> uh, to be the one to make that decision so he can follow you. He's giving you the invitation to follow him, and it's a gracious invitation. So he tests him. Uh, he himself knew what he would do. Verse 7, Philip says, 200 denarii, kind of picks a number out, would not buy enough bread for each of them to even get a little. So he's talking spreadsheets, numbers, right, uh, money, food, uh, you know, distribution. I'm a youth pastor, and so this kind of converts pretty easily to pizza. How many pieces per person? Uh, you know, on our last service Wednesday night of the, of the year, uh, we gave away free pizza. The pizza was gone in, in like 10 minutes, and we said two per person. And they're like, what do you mean two per person? I could eat a whole one of those myself. I'm like, there's a hundred other people here, you know, and so they're thinking, you know, okay, if we really, really just give each one just a little bit, just not 200 denarii would not even do it. That's, <laughs> that's 200 days wages. Um, and so Andrew steps in, right? Uh, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. What are they for so many? And so both of these ideas are not good ideas, right? It's kind of one of those things where your, your mouth starts moving before your head can catch up, and you're like, eh, that was dumb. I'm sorry. I'm just going to see myself out. You know, Jesus, why don't you go ahead and take over? And he does, thankfully. And Jesus says, have the people sit down, which is so interesting. <laughs> because... Anyone that's ever been in leadership, anyone that's ever been in church for very long knows that organizing 100 people or even 1,000 people is tough. Um, these are 5,000 men plus the women and the children. 
And <laughs> he gives the order to have them all sit down without the internet, right? Don't tweet it. Don't, you know, don't use your megaphone to, like, walk through the crowd, have them all sit down. You know, how does this work, you know? Uh, back in those days, this is a long, drawn-out process. Not to mention these people are hungry. And, again, going back to kind of the big guy on stage, uh, when I'm hungry, I'm not really good at taking orders. Uh, when I'm hungry, I'm not really good at, I'm like, do you have the food? Because I'm not going to sit down if there's no food. And I think there's a principle here that Jesus says, wait, wait, I will take care of it. In other words, prepare to receive what I'm going to give you. Um, everything in our world tells us that when we're hungry, what do you do? The responsible thing is to go right work for your, and that's in the Bible. Like, if you're not working, you don't deserve to eat. And, and all of that is true, but here's, here's the deal. In your working, be responsible, but in your life, be faithful, right? So we walk by faith. And so what we need to remind ourselves of is that we don't provide ourselves the food even if we earn the paycheck to go to Walmart, right? The couple weeks ago when it was the ice storm and I bought 600 gallons of milk, uh, and you did too, because they were gone. Um, you know, I didn't earn, right? I did, like I was responsible, and I did my work, and, and the church said, here, thank you, you know, and I went to Walmart, and I gave them my paycheck, and, and God is the one who provided that, isn't he? And so he says, sit down. There is an element of faith involved here. There's an element of uh, prepare for what I have for you. And he says, there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. Right? So there's obviously a miracle happening. Um, in no way could that happen in a natural sense uh, there was one time that we were doing uh, the Lord's Supper up here, and we had, you know, loaves of bread that were breaking apart, and, and stupid youth pastor was over here giving people chunks of bread, and then I'm kind of looking at Tom, I'm like, I'm running out, <laughs> right? I, I know what this is like, because I've kind of done this, and, and, and so Jesus is is the one doing the miracle here, and, and, and he's kind of inviting his disciples to take part, and he's handing it out, but it's not running out, right? There's this there's this miracle happening. And let us not run past the little boy, right? The integral part of this whole, the one kid who brought dinner. Yeah, the responsible, right? Kids, right? Irresponsible little teenagers. No, he's the one who brought dinner, right? He wasn't playing video games. He wasn't, you know, he brought his dinner. And, and this maybe is my favorite portion of the story. God used a child um, who was willing to give up his, his lunch or his dinner to be part of the miracle. All he had. Now, here's what you know and here's what I know. Five loaves and two fish is not nearly enough to feed that crowd. Right? The gifts that you're given are not nearly enough to do a miracle. But here's what happens. When you take your gifts that you've been given and your resources and your time and your energy and you just give it to God, you have open hands, not closed hands, right? When you're not white-knuckling the, the steering wheel of your life, when you offer that up to God, he does the supernatural with it. 
So many times we are way too responsible in our faith, right? In your work, be responsible. In your faith, walk by faith, right? In, you, in your life with God, let him have the steering wheel. That's not easy for us, is it? It's not easy for me. I'll just say it. I know what I have can't do much, but God can do much with it. He's the one who multiplies it. And it was just a boy, right? It wasn't the men. It wasn't all the guys got together with skills and, and trades. It wasn't like there was a cook that just said, I'll put this. It wasn't natural. It was a moment for God to multiply what one little boy had. And we don't know exactly, you know, it's not in the story. Did he give it willingly or did, did one of the disciples kind of, hey, look over there, you know, and kind of run away. I don't think that happened. I really don't, um, you know, and, and even if it did, I like to think it didn't. So um, the, the boy gives up his fishes, his loaves, and, um, and then one more interesting thing you, you see is that Jesus, before he gives it out, he gives thanks. And I just love this, this attitude that Jesus, who is fully man and fully God, is thankful for what the Heavenly Father has given. And isn't it true that some of us, when life gets tough, when life gets uh, a little, uh, kind of grates against our, our wants, not our needs, but you know, we don't quite get exactly what we think we deserve. It's hard to be thankful. And Jesus is looking at this and he says, thank you, Father, for what you've given me. And there's all kinds of situations represented in this room, good ones, bad ones. Some of you had terrible Christmases. Some of you had family to deal with that you would have rather just kind of drugged yourself and just slept through the entire holiday so you didn't have to see that family member. And what would it look like if we were just like thankful? thankful? Just, God, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for the opportunity. I have a good friend that said this Christmas holiday is going to be hard on me because we've got a lot of family tension right now. But I know it's going to be an opportunity to serve. So would you just pray that I would keep that attitude? I, I loved it. I was so glad to see him have that attitude. So Jesus breaks, or he thanks it, and then he breaks bread, hands it out. Everyone had as much as they wanted. Had eaten their food. Phil. Jesus says, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And then they ga gathered up 12 baskets with fragments that were left by those who had eaten. And I don't know if those were for the disciples, but I like to think it was. The disciples served, and they're kind of thinking, well, are we going to get to eat? And there's 12 baskets just lined up, ready to go. There you go. Everyone got to eat. And I see this story, and, and here's, here's what I see. In, in a day and age where, where some of us are falling on hard times, where it's tough to trust in God, especially when, um, you know, do you, do you write a tithe check or do you pay your bills? Or do you, do you trust in God with your time and your resources? Or do you know you do what you've got to do to get by? And in a day and age when we're tempted and we're tested to not trust in God, I want to challenge you that this story still holds true today. But here's the important thing about this story, is that it doesn't end there. Um, when I went to this passage the first time, this was all I was going to teach. And I was going to kind of talk through all of that, that God's got what you need. And I'm just kind of working under the assumption that we understand that God provides what we need. 
He gives us what we need, right? He's been doing this for a long time, and he's got it. He owns a cattle on a thousand hill. He says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't ask you. I own the world and everything inside of it. I'm, I've got it, right? And, and this, this parallels to passages in, um, say, Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount where he would say, don't worry, you're not going to add an hour to your life. Look at the birds, I'm clothing them. Look at the lilies of the field. They're beautiful, I'm taking care of you. Are you not much more important than they? Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> And this isn't even about food. This isn't even about our physical needs. It's about something much greater. And so you see this uh, end of the story. Verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Um, we're going to skip these next couple verses because there's kind of an interlude, and it's a big deal. He walks on water, but we're not going to talk about that because we don't have time. I tend to be long-winded, and I'm going to be good to you guys today. So we're going to skip over that, um, but we're going to cover another 50 verses, so don't worry. Don't, I'm not letting you out early. Um, so, so we see, uh, skipping over Jesus walking on water, um, you see, and you may see the caption right there, I'm the bread of life, and what you would think maybe is, is like a little clue in, like, okay, so th- there's a connector happening here, and basically what you have happening is Jesus does the miracle, right, by the time the bread has been eaten and the leftovers have been gathered, it's nighttime, Jesus is not tired, he's exhausted, um, he's ready to be done um, and, and, and people kind of relax. I, I'm kind of thinking like they have the Thanksgiving um, kind of turkey, watching football in the recliner, kind of like they're not paying attention for just a minute. Uh, he walks across to the other side, and then the next morning they pick it right back up again. They pick it right back up again. Uh, so on the next day the crowd uh, remained, this is verse 22, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea, that there had been only one boat there, the Jesus, and Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other uh, boats from Tiberias came near that place where they had eaten the bread the, the Lord had, after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they got into the boats and sought Jesus. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? And I'm thinking, can I get a break? You got, come on, you know, just go love people. Go, like, do what I did here. Go love, go share your bread with people, Um, you know, and that's selfish old me, you know. And so they come to the other side, and there's this really interesting interchange that's about to happen where he explains to them that, you know, I'm glad that I filled your bellies, but it is so much more about something else. He says this. Um, or John says this, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answers them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And this is is where people are kind of like, well, I just want some bread. I mean, 
That was really good. I mean, we figure you can do this again. This is kind of goes back to the give a man a fish, he'll eat a meal, teach a man a fish, and he'll, he'll eat the rest of his life. Um, this also kind of parallels to the passage where Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, and he said, you know, I can give you a bucket of water if you want, but I want to give you living water where you'll never thirst again. Um, the, kind of the s- same deal here. He's saying, I don't want you to labor and to work for the food that, that like all that last night was great, wasn't it? That is a picture of what I want you to get. I don't want you running after miracles. I don't want you even running after a a meal. I want you running after me. And that church is where we miss it today still. Right? How many of us, do not raise your hands, are tempted to run after God's stuff and forget God? How many of us would rather have everything that God gives heaven, right? And, and, and how many of us, when we share the gospel, say, do you want to go to heaven or hell? And here's what I would say. Do you want Jesus or do you not want Jesus? That's the question we need to ask, right? Because heaven, in a sense, yes, it's the presence of God, but isn't it true? And I'm just kind of throwing myself out there. When I shared the gospel as a teenager, I was like, do you want to burn in hell or do you want to go to heaven where everything's great? What is that reek of? Right? Things are going to be good in heaven and things are going to be terrible in hell. Do you want terrible or great? And who, who is that about? Me, right? Not God, not Jesus. Not, not Jesus. Don't run after the loaves. 28. They said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So we're kind of on the right track. Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? In other words, how many of you have been there? God, I'm going to need a miracle if I'm going to believe in you. I know I saw one yesterday, but I'm going to need one more, right? I'm going to need that extra $1,000 in my bank account in the morning, and I will believe right? I'm going to need my car to work in the morning. And if it works in the morning, I will, I'm a, hey, I'm a thank you right now. If you'll just make it, I just, one more miracle. Just take care of me, right? Me, me. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. In 30, verse 32, Jesus then said, It was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven. Moses is not that good. My father gave you the true bread from heaven. And then verse 33, he goes on, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. He says, I said to you that, that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All, the Father gives, all that the Father gives to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39, this is the will of him who has sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And then he says this, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up. On the last day, verse 41, then the Jews grumbled about him, right, in true fashion, right? 
He's given them the way out. He is giving them the rescue plan. He is showing them the way. And they fight. Not that that's any different from today, right? We do that, I do that. If Jesus were here talking to us today, he'd probably speak in, in kind of a language that would frustrate us because maybe it would, it would ask us to, to sell everything and give to the poor. Maybe it, would, maybe it would say to follow me. Maybe it would be to, to walk away from everything that you know and to follow. And we would say, I don't know. I mean, just one more miracle. Just one, I'll trust you, just one more miracle. And he says... <laughs> Guys, I'm, I'm it. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Um, skipping down to say verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, has, whoever believes has eternal life. He is being so literal. So this isn't even, he's not even trying to get around. He's just saying, believe in me and you have eternal life. I'm not, no, no jokes, no parables, no. Like, I'm going to give it to you straight. You guys are asking the questions. I'm going to answer it. If you want to have eternal life, I want you to believe in me. I want you to trust in me. And that belief looks like following me and acting as I do, which is walking by faith. And then he would say, I'm the bread of life. Verse 49, your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one may eat of it, or so, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread... He will live forever, and the bread that I would give for the life of the world is my flesh. He is not pulling any punches. He is being honest. Next verse. Then the Jews disputed among themselves. <laughs> is this not unbelievable? Follow me. Believe me. Right? I'm the one that God sent. I'm the bread of life. You know, I, I, um, I brought a loaf of bread because... Sometimes the imagery helps us, and, and I, I think about it, and I think about how Jesus didn't come to do a miracle to feed us one time, right? John didn't write this, and by the way, all the gospel writers wrote about this occasion. They didn't write about this because look how cool it was he did that miracle, right? And, and that the miracle terminated on itself in that moment, and it was just, it was just, cool factor, right? Like, oh, remember that thing Jesus did, right? I got the t-shirt, and I, you know, I was there. It was awesome, and that is not it, because here's what I think Jesus is telling us. Two things. On, on one hand, the, the satisfaction that comes from food is momentary, right? Um, I know this, and you know this, that appetites are never fully or finally satisfied, right? You, 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 you eat, and then six hours later, you're like, I'm hungry again, right? Some of us more like three or four hours, you know what I mean? But um, we, we're hungry a couple times a day at least, right? And, and you wake up the next day, and you still have that appetite. It comes back. And what Jesus is inviting you into today is to have an appetite that is filled. Well, and, and, and I might even say it this way. I might, might stretch it a little bit here, but, but give me some liberty, um, I have an appetite that is fulfilled by God, but every time I, I come back wanting more. I come back wanting more. And you know who, who satisfies it? Him. You know what doesn't satisfy it? I mean, it's kind of crazy, and you might disagree with me here. Um, the promise of heaven doesn't actually satisfy it for me. 
It's the presence of God that satisfies it. Do you understand the difference there? Like, it's not that I get the streets of gold and a mansion and crowns, right? Because those crowns are not for me anyway. Right? It's the presence of God. Right? Heaven is not a place for people who don't want to go to hell. Heaven is a place that, <laughs> for people that want to be around Jesus. If you want to go to heaven because it's not fiery torment, then you've missed the point. And he says, I'm the bread. I'm the one who satisfies. He's also foreshadowing a little bit for his death because you see the picture of the bread that was broken. And, and we know when he says he's the bread, you see this kind of imagery of the bread ripping in two pieces, and, and it kind of fast-forwards you to Easter, doesn't it? Fast-forwards you to the cross, right? This whole time, and Jesus is a master storyteller. But he's not just telling a story so he can tell good stories. He, he's sharing so many truths in one story. Don't miss the point. God wants to provide your needs today, your physical needs we would dangerously get close to prosperity theology if we stopped there. What I am not saying, and I want you to hear me clearly, is that if you're a good Christian, you'll be rich. There are plenty of pastors who want to tell you that, and they're all on TV today. I'm not saying all TV preachers are like that. Don't misquote me. I'm saying there are pastors out there today, and I know some of them, that would say if you are a good Christian, then God will give you everything you need. And I just would invite you to read the Bible, and it doesn't say that. Uh, you, you get your mansion, right? You get your really nice car. Because the better of a Christian that you are, you get those nice things. Like, if you are a good Christian, then you should have a ring on every finger. You should have the nicest. No, that's not it. That's not it. He says, I'm going to take care of what you need. And this rubs up against, and I am not going to cover this because we don't have time. This rubs up against all those people that will die of starvation today. Okay, so wrestle with that for a moment. Wrestle with that. On one hand, there are countries where if they heard that I use this as a sermon illustration and not food, they would laugh, right? For that purpose, I'm eating this today, right? Almost because it's like I have to because there are people out there that won't have this today, that can't go to Walmart and buy a loaf of bread for $1.68. So wrestle with that for just a moment. But be blessed in the fact that you have your needs taken care of today. Wherever you are, I know there's different levels of Income, there's different levels of, of nice things in the room. You know what? You have what you need. And we should be blessed and thankful for that. And let me just say this. If we didn't, blessed be the Lord. And we trust that God is going to take care of us according to his plan, his loving kindness, and his mercy. So this story is for a couple different people. This story, first and foremost, since we started in John 6, verse 1, this is for the people in the room who are struggling to
to trust that God is the one who provides for us, that Jesus is our provider. Let me make it clear to you today. Study the scripture, and what he will say is that before you pray, I know what you need. And that's the beautiful part of prayer for me, is that I know if you pray correctly and you, you ask for stuff at the end, according to the Lord's prayer, um, you know, give us this day our daily bread comes at the end after your will be done and not mine. When you pray your will be done and not mine, it does something to your head and your heart, doesn't it? It kind of starts aligning you with God. By the time I, I am ready to ask for stuff, I almost don't want to ask for stuff. Because I'm, got it. I, why am I worrying, you know? That's the beauty of prayer. And so for the, per, for the person here who's struggling to remember that God is the one who provides all your needs, let me rem- remind you that Jesus was the one who divvied out for these 10, 20,000 people out of five loaves and two fishes. Also, there's someone here who needs to offer up their bread and their fish. This may be more applicable to us in this room. Right? Our time, our money, our resources. And I, I'll just say, I'm first and foremost, I'm not good at that. I'm just not good at it. Someone called me and said, hey, I'm going to be uh, in town. Uh, I'm going to need a place to stay for about two weeks. And I about croaked. About came unglued. I told Chrissy, I said, do you believe that? And she was like, honey, we need to provide them a place to stay. And I was like, oh, really, preacher? Thanks. You know, and then I went and go re- gone and repented, you know, and called them. I was like, all right, come on. You know, some of us need to offer up what we have. Some of us, that little boy who was not mentioned, right, wasn't even counted in the number of the 5,000. It's 5,000 men, the women and children. This guy wasn't even, not, not even an honorable mention later, just a little boy, right? He'll be in heaven one day. He'll be like, I was the one, right? You know, it's, oh, cool, you know? That's all he gets in the whole Bible is the little boy who offered up. And listen, it is not for you to have a sign that says, I'm the one. Hey, check it out. I'm the one who provided, right? Because that's the wrong motive in the first place. If it's about God, let it be about God. And some of us need to offer up what we have to share with others. Acts 2 is a beautiful picture of what that looks like. It's a beautiful picture of what it looks like. The rest of us in the room some of us just need to walk by faith because Jesus is asking us some, some of us today, how are we going to feed these 5,000 people? And some of us are going to answer, well, I mean, if we raise some money, you know. And Jesus, who created out of nothing, is asking us a question, where are we going to get? He's not asking for your responsible, right, rational spreadsheet answer. He's asking for you to trust him to do the supernatural when you offer up what you have. God is not asking you for more than what you have, right? You have what you have, now let's use it for the kingdom. And some of us, right, we need to go from from white-knuckling the the steering wheel of our life and just kind of opening our hands to what God wants to do with it. Maybe for some of you, the most spiritual thing you could do is pray and ask God to open your hands, to give you the wisdom to see those opportunities. And then just the rest of us, 
to find our satisfaction in him. Right? Because he doesn't want to give you bread. He wants to be your bread. He wants to, he wants to be the one who you're satisfied with. So in those moments when the storms come, in those moments where you don't know how you're going to make it, you can pray and say, I'm ready. Right? If I lose everything and I still have God, I win. Right? This is where Paul in Philippians 4.13, which is one of the most widely quoted verses in the Bible, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it sources all the way back to a couple of verses before where he says, I've found the secret to being content in abundance and in need. I'm content. You know why? Because God's enough. God's good. Right? Philippians 4.19 would go on to say, he, he'll provide your needs according to his riches. And by the way, he's rich. <laughs> He's rich. He's good. Right? He's the good dad that's not going to give you a rock when you ask for bread. He's not going to give you a snake instead of, uh, of, of like a toy or, or instead of food or, inst- you know, like think of all those things that, that you as good parents, right, at, at Christmas and some of you grandparents got to watch your kids light up. And I got to watch my kid light up. And, and he would light up, by the way, for a second. Isn't that true? And then he'd toss it over his head, and then he'd go to the next one. Isn't that kind of how it works, you know? But, but you as good parents got to watch your kids light up. And, and what did it do for you, the satisfaction knowing that you got to be a good parent, and you are no comparison to God? He's good. He's trustworthy. He wants to be our satisfaction. And he wants to be our salvation. Not just give us more bread. Not just give us another meal. I can miss another, I could miss a lot of meals. Okay? Let me just put it that way. I can miss a meal. I can't miss Jesus. I can't, that's, that's not worth chasing after the provisions of this world. I can be homeless for the rest of my life and still have Jesus and have enough. I'm not saying I want that. Just saying. If I have Jesus, he's plenty. And he will provide for what you need. Would you bow your heads with me?